The opinions expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of our sponsors and are only those of the individual commentators. Viewer discretion is advised. Good evening and welcome to the Rabin Report. I'm your host, Elliot Rabin, and with me is uh, part of my expert panel, just just Anna today. How are you, Anna? I am good. How are you, Elliot? Better now. Just just <laughs> just getting things going as usual. You know, you know the drill. Yeah, actually today is a special day because it's my mom's birthday and now she's watching the Rabin Report every time that the show comes live so feliz cumpleaños mamá enjoy your day <laughs> she probably would watch it later on <laughs> wow well happy birthday to to your mom of course um that you know and, and amazing that she's watching from venezuela right yeah she doesn't understand what we are saying but she still watching <laughs> well we we are so thankful that she's tuning in. Happy birthday to your mom. Uh, and of course, joining the show once again this week is good friend Zahavi Zinoberg. How are you? I'm fabulous. Uh, it's also my sister's birthday. Oh my God, really? Happy birthday to your sister too. <laughs> I'm sure she says thank you in spirit. She's, she's in Montreal, not Venezuela, but good enough. <laughs> well, clearly it's a, it's a whole big party going on over here i don't really have any anybody with birthdays in my family today as far as i know maybe i'm wrong but but that's where we are right now um coming up in 15 minutes we'll be talking about our main topic u.s election 2020 debrief but first let's take a look at our top stories in our weekly update starting with whole foods uh so they banned the poppy which not a good look not a good look they faced a lot of backlash on it and it was just, uh, I, I don't even... I think it, it was like, okay, I think that they had a confusion to start with. Pro, uh, first of all, it's a U.S. company when you look at it. And I, I read that the, um, the corporate decision actually came from the U.S., mm -hmm. which means that there is a, a, a confusion going on. Like, you know... Taking taking the puppies, like not letting people wear their puppy is like a bad marketing strategy and a bad HR strategy. And we could see that most of Canadians dislike that decision. Like when that news came out, like I there was a no rage going on, you know? Even people from the conservative side or liberals, they agree on that. Like it is just bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, it just it just goes to show that a one size fits all policy doesn't work. You know, tomorrow is Remembrance Day, and for them to to say you can't wear poppies because it goes against their uh, their dress code. I mean, they they also didn't allow people to wear BLM stuff, but but the the poppies. I mean, 
Zahavi, what do you think? Do you find it disrespecting to veterans? It's not only disrespectful, it's a, it's a PR disaster gone wrong completely. There was condemnation from uh, political parties and politicians of all stripes. I mean, I, I always expected the conservatives and, and the liberals to to not tolerate this sort of policy, but I, I was pleasantly surprised to see it was condemned from all sides, including the NDP, which typically I would expect a, a less sort of, uh, you know, traditional uh, method of remembrance to sort of be carried on by a party that tends to, you know, they want to take down, uh, they want to take down uh, statues and this and that. But yeah, PR disaster gone wrong. And, you know, people are saying that they're, they're, they're not going to recover from this. I mean, for them, for them to do such a thing for, for the mayor of Toronto, for the prime minister, for all the parties, like you said, to condemn it, uh, you, you think they're ever going to be able to recover? I don't. I didn't know there was Whole Foods in Canada to begin with. Well, I knew that. I knew that there was. I just didn't know how many people really shopped there because I don't know who wants to pay $30 for an apple. Not as many now. <laughs> Not as <laughs> many this. now. Yeah. But uh, I also find the there, there's a fine line between banning um, companies from uh, establishing their own rules. So I think that's a dangerous line to go down to in terms of that. But for the poppy, I, it's... This is something these people fought their for their for our freedoms and uh, for our right to vote. Since we're talking about uh, the election today, so mm -hmm. they deserve our respect and our and our honor every single day of the year. And you know, there was a veteran who was interviewed on CTV. He said that he felt like uh, like this was a spit and a slap in the face. I mean, do you think they're going to recover, Anna? And. Uh I, I'm not sure, like, they they probably are going crazy with their marketing team right now, like you can bet. And another thing is that, like, it was an entire confusion because, okay, you have Black Lives Matter, but once again, like, the, the Remembrance Day is different, you know? It's like a Canadian history. It's like part of a cultural thing. It's tradition. Like, it is something that involves... It's not a political and a social cause like Black Lives Matter. It's completely different. It's like, I don't know, you're banning Thanksgiving Day. Something like that, you know? It's, it's ridiculous. It's, it was just bad. It's, uh, yeah. I, I Again, I'm shocked. So as you can see, we're wearing poppies on the show today to pay respect to... Uh, Rem Remembrance Day tomorrow. Obviously, ceremonies won't be in person this year. There, I'm sure there are going to be a lot of virtual ceremonies. But let's move on to something. In sad news, Alex Trebek has passed away at the age of 80. He was the host of Jeopardy since 1984, and he was actually contracted to host until 2022. Uh, this has had a huge impact on the world. Um, people of all stripes in terms of politics, um, in terms of professions, they've all come out and they're just, they're just so upset. Um, what kind of impact did he have on, on you guys, if any? Well, if I'm honest with you, I never saw that show. Like, I don't think we got it back in Venezuela. So I will let you guys take the lead on this. Yeah, <laughs> I grew up watching Jeopardy in uh, in Thornhill. It's not quite Venezuela, but uh, in the cableless uh, Zinoberg household with the bunny ears antennas. That was one of the only we only, one of the few channels we got was was uh, that show Jeopardy every night at seven thirty. I think it was. So Alex Trebek is a Canadian household 
icon. Um, his passing is unfortunately very sad, and the circumstances behind it are certainly very sad. It's the, I don't I believe it was the same cancer that killed John McCain, pancreatic cancer, and Rob Ford, I believe. I don't know about that, but it's a very sad and very, very, very sad story. And he, it, it's hard to see how he'll be replaced as the host on the show. That's what I'm really going to look forward because they already had to sort of signal a sort of replacement for him as his illness was getting worse. Yeah. And e- even though they were looking for a replacement, like you said, he was contracted until 2022. Uh, and he did record a bunch of episodes before his passing. The last one he recorded was 10 days. And I think prior it's enough for them to go till the till Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. That's when the last episode of Jeopardy is going to air. Uh, now, unfortunately, because Christina isn't here, she's not able to say what she feels about Alex Trebek. But what she has passed along is that she feels he is such a sweet, soft-spoken man, or he was rather, and he taught her so much random knowledge, interesting knowledge. She also adds that she is his number one fan and that everybody should go watch episodes of Jeopardy on Netflix. Lastly, of course, she thinks that he is the most unproblematic and uncancelable person. So we did an episode on cancel culture. I think I think we all believe that no matter how you look at him, he was just a great guy. Amen. So, you know, lastly, we're going to move on to a coronavirus update. And we hit another record, guys. I don't know whether to celebrate or to cry. Um, we hit over 1,100 cases in Ontario. And now the province has created a new tracking color-coded system per region. Uh, Toronto is still in the worst position, whereas Peel is in, uh, I believe, the red zone, and York region is in the orange zone. So some stuff is opening back up. And what do you guys think about about these soaring cases? There's been a communications problem, I think, from the beginning with not just the provincial government, but uh, all three levels of government. And I think that's that's a given given the nature of how you know you learn new things so quickly with this virus because it's a novel virus so but the color coding system to me has been really confusing uh i think also the sort of uh how they're how they're passing along different responsibilities so today the chief medical officer of toronto uh dr zavilla She's sort of uh, now she's suggesting that there's going to be even a harsher sh- uh, restrictions being put out. Doug Ford suggests something else. I, it's it's really mixed messaging, and I just really want to go to the gym. <laughs> I'm <laughs> cool with no fitness classes. I just I'll, I'll be myself away from everybody else. I just I really want to go to the gym. I mean, could just do it over Zoom like I did for five months. I've tried doing the the, the virtual gym. It's not the same. No. Well, uh, there are some gyms that are operating outside, right? I don't know how long that's how they'll plan on doing that in the winter, though. Exactly, because right now, well, this week has been very interesting when it comes to weather, because it feels like it's still kind of like summer-like. I see people wearing shorts, wearing the you know sleeveless shirts. Like it is very interesting. But yeah, getting back to coronavirus, uh, well, I don't know how long this can continue. I have read some news about the vaccine. For example, Pfizer says that they have a vaccine that could be available. Uh, on the other hand, I also read about Brazil that they were trying the Chinese vaccine and apparently the side effects are not that great. So they stopped the testing in Brazil of the vaccine. So I don't know. Until this point, I think 
Pfizer vaccine will be the best choice, according to the news. That's the one that seems to have gotten the most attention this week, I think, because it claims to have 90% efficacy. But again, I, you got to wait until it's ready to roll out. It seems promising, though, because they said early, early 2021, which I had heard things as far as 2022. So look, the sooner the better. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, uh, the the levels are confusing. Kobe says Toronto just moved to red. Um, again, we don't really know what that means in, in many respects. I mean, in some cases, that means that uh, indoor dining is allowed at, at capacity, I believe. I don't understand. Like, if, cra- if cases are increasing, how are they going to allow indoor dining? Like, Well, you know what's interesting is that they at one point they didn't allow indoor dining, but they allowed outdoor dining... In, under a tent yeah so, indoor dining outside yeah. as long as it's basically not yeah <laughs> and then they said go to school but don't go see family i mean do you feel like the government is is kind of acting odd in their in their fight to to end coronavirus right now yeah absolutely and i think the way they do this is because they don't want like they don't want to pass the barrier where people are just going to piss off generally Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it was in Italy that Italy has this crazy situation with coronavirus some months ago. And they're asking, the government is trying to impose more restrictions. And Italians just went outside and started protesting and being angry. And I guess the government here is like trying to, you know, like kind of balance that situation. But I don't know how that's going to work from a policy perspective, how effective that's going to be. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, very interesting how things are going right now, but uh, now let's move on to our main topic, which is... The U.S. Election 2020 Debrief. Last week, we brought you a two-hour live election special. Unlike 2016, we didn't get a conclusive result of the winner on the night of... Only four days later, on Saturday, November 4th, Joe Biden was declared the, pres- the presumptive next president of the United States following a lead in Pennsylvania. Later that night, Joe Biden and his vice president Kamala Harris, vice president rather, Kamala Harris, gave rousing victory speeches. However, Trump has yet to concede and has said that he will launch lawsuits in key states, which means this thing is far from over. On tonight's show, we break down the results of this, of this election, examine Trump's response, and finally look at what a Joe Biden presidency may look like. As a reminder, we are live on Facebook, so make sure to comment on our feed to have your thoughts read live on air. So let's start with what were the final results. Uh, we actually have them on screen. Uh, let's pull them up. Here we go. So The final results, according to most news organizations, were that Joe Biden won 279 electoral college votes and Donald Trump won 214, whereas 45 are remaining. Some states that were called, um, specifically Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, um, were called for Joe Biden. But as you can see, they have not finished their votes, but th- th- they're counting. Same thing with um, uh, Pennsylvania. Arizona is still hasn't been called. Alaska is at 61%. Um, 
you know, what were some of the key states that that changed the election, and and how did they do that? Basically, Joe Biden uh, won back what Hillary Clinton uh, lost to Donald Trump in in the, in the Rust Belt. So in the Midwest, uh, Pennsylvania was key was the tipping point at this point to pushing Joe over the two seventy majority mark. But uh, it was it was key. Uh, also, um, African American support, uh, black women, and uh, they were I think over ninety two percent to whatever I think it's eight. Uh, for 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 Biden, and they are a very consistent, loyal voting base. So they represent states that typically were red: Georgia, Arizona. Those are no blue states by any stretch of the imagination, traditionally. Yeah, actually, the case of Georgia is an example of what you mentioned. Like black women, they basically, like according to to the results, they were a a factor that made this this state that is traditionally red to have a chance of going blue. But right now, if you look at Georgia, it's still, you know, they are still uh, undecided, you could say. Like, okay, right now, Joe Biden is 49%, uh, 49.52%, but Trump is, like, very close to that, too. Now, you mentioned um, uh, black voters. Somebody who's very influential in that, and there's a lot of media attention towards her, is, uh, is a woman named Stacey Abrams. She had a lot of influence in Georgia, and I'm curious to know how and why you think that is. What did she do? She ran for governor. She was the first black woman to run for for governor, I think, in Georgia's history, and it was basically it, it, the the result was basically a draw between her and uh, her opponent, who was administering the elections because he was the Secretary of State for for the state of Georgia while he was running against her. So take from that what you will about corruption, Donald Trump supporters. But um, what I will say about the whole notion about uh, Stacey Abrams is she took her loss. Um, and she was she was she wasn't she was a little bitter about it, and I'd be too. And she she used it and she turned it into action to register. Uh, I think a million people in Georgia to vote. Um, I don't think it was concentrated towards uh, black voters, but I'm sure there there there's a lot of them in Atlanta. And I think that was key to why you're seeing Joe Biden succeed in Georgia because of the uh, very populous major cities, which have a lot of liberal, young, and diverse voters. And and she did uh, she did try to be his VP pick, but that didn't uh, that obviously didn't pan out. Anna. Well, according to what I've read, she also um, applied on a strategy where well, she used to gather, especially with other black women, and motivate them to vote. She basically motivated people that was not engaged politically as much to vote, to mm-hmm. register, to vote. And, and that's one of the, like, she basically did a job of, you know, going after the voters. That's... Uh, a strong political activism, and you know that that caused this this change. Also, I don't know exactly if you know if, if I don't know if Donald Trump wins or lose in Georgia is because of corruption. I also think that the protests of Black Lives Matter have things to do in Georgia. Like for example, one of my friends he lives in Atlanta, and he told me that many black-owned businesses were also looted by. 
people from Black Lives Matter. Like when you see that kind of extremist behavior, some people will be like, eh, I don't want to be part of this, you know? Interesting, Zahavi. Even without Georgia and Arizona, he's past 270. It's really, I think, Pennsylvania that uh, the Trump campaign, at least, is is very insistent that there was um, shady things going on. They have no evidence to back up their claims of voter corruption. This is how you count mail-in votes. Mail, they, if, if anything, it was a lost opportunity for the Republicans to encourage their supporters to vote by mail because they obviously were motivated because they turned out on election day. So this, to me, is just bad strategy on the part of the Republican Party. Well, when it comes to, to you know, like evidence of fraud or something, uh, in the case of Pennsylvania particularly, there was a postal worker who did an affi- uh, affidavit, a sworn affidavit that... Affidavit. Yeah, that thing. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, that, you know, the postal, uh, the postal supervisory officials, uh, they basically wanted to backdate some votes. And according to the Pennsylvania law, uh, law you can only take the votes that are, that are received until 8 p.m. on the election date. You cannot receive beyond that. And according to what he said, they were trying to receive more votes beyond that time and put another date and time. So this person, if he did that and he's lying, he could be persecuted, uh, uh, criminally persecuted. So that's one of the things that Republicans are saying. Like, you know, if this happened here, you need to count votes. You need to go and do and conduct further investigation because it could be something weird going on. What do you think, Zahavi? But why would the Democrats cheat and not take the Senate with them? If they were going to cheat, wouldn't they want the whole the whole barn? They wouldn't just want the cow. They'd want the whole the whole the whole thing, which is why. And and it's not even just that. It's just there's no evidence for their a- allegations. It's well, just that they're, they're being hypocritical, essentially, of what the Democrats were like four years ago. Well, that's the thing. We're going to get into the uh, potential evidence. We're going to get into hypocrisy a little later on in the show. Uh, but, but first, you know, how did the media, how did the media's predictions, analysis, and their calls influence the election? I mean, there were 145 million votes and for 75 million for Joe Biden, the most for a presidential candidate, 4 million more for Trump than in 2016. Um, but again, did the, did the media have an influence on that turnout? Did the media have an influence on Joe Biden winning or Trump losing? I think the media for sure um, heightened the expectations of a Joe Biden blowout. I will concede, unlike some people, that uh, <laughs> that uh, the media for sure made the um, up to the ante for for Joe Biden to have a blowout. And look, it wasn't a blowout, but if if the results are to be believed, um, which I will believe them at this stage, Joe Biden turned around and and got the voters and turned out new voters that he needed to. This is, he got the, he has the most votes out of any single presidential candidate in history. Trump has the second most, but Trump only got 4 million more votes to me because more people voted. That's just the nature of the population growth. Yeah, definitely. The media has something to do with the, with the results. And to be honest, this is the, the elections where I have seen, 
more bias in the media from one side to the other side as well. Like getting impartial information right now is very difficult. And for example, one of the things that I that I saw during the election is that uh, Twitter, Facebook, they were all over fact-checking, fact-checking everything. So it is kind of... It is kind of crazy when you imagine that because, for example, there were some uh, news channel who decided to cut Trump a speech. And, and, and that is like, uh, from my point of view, is bad journalism because regardless if you agree from one speech or not, like the role as a journalist is to let it go through and then, you know, explain your point of view if you disagree or not but cutting the speech is actually just make people angrier and do the con uh, have a counterproductive effect so the media making decisions do you feel like uh they shouldn't then make predictions because for example uh even fox news predicted that it was arizona that went to trump and trump had a fit he called rupert murdoch and and yelled at him and Rupert Murdoch basically told him to I mean they retracted it at first but Rupert essentially told him to f off um do you think that media predictions have an impact on the final results I think the polls and predictions in general were one of the the ones losing because these elections results were unpredictable I would say for anybody like it is an unusual election. It was the gap was really close, and yeah, like they can predict, but like I say, in this case, it was quite unpredictable. Zahavi, they've been making election uh, election projections for years. Four years ago, when Trump hadn't even been called for like half the states that he won by less amount of votes than than uh, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, who was initially reluctant to call and concede until Obama actually called her and said, it's over. She still conceded. And yeah, I'm sure a lot of Democrats were unhappy for the rest of the for the four years. But Trump essentially was going along with the process. And once it became clear that it wasn't going to go his way, then the process is rigged. And now there's something shady going on. Like this is so this is it's childish, but it's not surprising because childish behavior is what we've come to expect from Donald Trump. Well, that's that that now brings us to Donald Trump's response, the second portion of our discussion. Um how how did he take it? I don't think he took it very well. Well, he certainly looked happy for the I don't know, for election night when it looked like things were going his way. Um his speech that he gave uh I don't remember exactly what he said um on election night, but the speech he gave the following day, I believe, where he basically called the entire election um, a fraud and corrupt and, and there was cheating going on, was just filled with lies and complete untrue st statements. And that's why even Fox News that Donald Trump only speaks to, I don't know if he does anymore, but they, they cut him out or they had to cut it off because even they're like, this is ridiculous. And they're his staunchest supporters of a network. They're just as biased as CNN is uh, for the left. Anna, what did you think of uh, his response? Well, he wasn't happy. He certainly didn't expect this result. But, you know, like I say, if he considers that there is a fraud, he will need to prove it. Mm. And that's the step to follow. 
And according to the um, U.S. Attorney General, they have until December 8th in order to, you know, uh, authorize, uh, they need to dis all di check this irregularity and, you know, it will be nationwide and we will need to wait. And, you know, you, you mentioned his, uh, his claims of fraud. Let's talk about when he said stop the count. Um, what, it, what does he mean by that? You know, stop the count. And, and what does it say that when he said that, he also s declared himself the winner? Bad strategy, bad idea, definitely. That's what I think about it. Yeah, I mean, would you expect anything less from this person? But stop the count. He was losing. So if you stop the count, you'll still like you'll lose in the popular either. He's down, I think, by five million votes, mm -hmm. five million votes. Please try and look, he has every right to to uh, try to bring forward evidence if there are actual substantiated claims of voter fraud and, and what have you. But um, I just there's no evidence to suggest that it is. This is just a last minute, a last minute uh, effort to suck up oxygen. Wow. Strong, strong I'm statement. just glad that this air, end of an error, that's how I would put it. <laughs> Not so fast, though, because, I mean, look at uh, the election of 2004, um, and it was, uh, what was it? It was Bush and Gore, and... It was Gore, 2000. Sorry, 2000, yeah. It was, it was Bush and Gore, and Gore was, deter was uh, determined the winner, and then 36 days later, they did a recount in the key state of Florida, and Bush was the winner. There so, was, sorry, there was a difference of 500 votes that were being uh, contested and uh, uh, adjudicated. Donald Trump is uh, losing the state of Wisconsin by over 20,000 votes. He's losing the state of Pennsylvania by, I think it's like 50,000 votes or something like that. Like not small margins, basically. So. Um, and then, like I said before, with the Senate, they if they were going to cheat, wouldn't they want to take the whole the whole the whole Congress with them? There's just it's just, things aren't adding up. You know, there was uh, Anna. No, just to add that, like I totally agree with you. Like I would prefer just to wait until to see what the Supreme Court has to say, how these legal resources will end up, and you know, it really depends on that and. We are. We need to. We need to acknowledge that this is a very like unusual election. Like it is in the midst of the pandemic. It was doing. It, it, a lot of these votes were done by mail. Like it is irregular, and you know you can find inconsistencies. Like I said before, we will need to wait. And you know, Zahavi, how do you think this whole process is gonna is gonna go forward? Look, I think Trump's already made the claims that he's made that this election, uh, there's a lot of questions to uh, to be made and to, to ask about this. And like I said, I think if he believes and if he has substantial and actual evidence of voter fraud and corrupt activity and shady activity as far as the election goes, then I implore him, as I'm sure does anybody else in the United States, to 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 bring it forward but there's just no clear evidence to suggest that and this is just this is just ex exactly what would have happened last time had he lost i think this was just a, we had to wait four years to see this now we do have a comment coming in from samuel he says just because they didn't cheat on the house and senate doesn't mean they did not cheat elsewhere 
How do you respond? Well, then they wouldn't be a very good cheater because if they want to actually, you know, enact their radical left-wing agenda, then they would take the Senate and confirm all the nominees and all the crazies that probably won't happen now if the, if the Republicans hold it. And I think that's, I think having a Republican Senate while you have a Democratic House and a, uh, a Democratic White House, it's it's a good. Uh, checks and balances of the system you know having different parties it's like here where you have a pc government provincially at queen's park and a liberal government at the federal level usually tends to even itself out that way Mm -hmm. so but i don't think that's just a a cop out to me so you know erring on the side of of trump there was a poll conducted by McLaughlin and Associates that showed that 36% of Biden voters, or 46 of Biden's total vote, would not have voted for him had they known about the deal with his son, Hunter. So do you think that the media tried to cover up his, his alleged corruption with, with his son, Hunter, and, and clearly that did have an impact on, on voters? Anna? Definitely, yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, do you think CNN will show the dark side of Biden to say an example? No. Like, let's be honest. I will. I will take the example of the kids uh, placed in cages near the border. Mm-hmm. This used to happen during the, during the administration of Obama and Joe Biden. Did you see such a media outrage as you saw with the Trump administration? It wasn't the same. Like, it's obviously that the, for one side, it's more terrible for when the counterparty is the one doing it, you know? And this is one of the situations. Like, if they knew that certain votes were going to be sacrificed, if they reported about the about Hunter Biden, then, you know, better to hide that part of the story and put it in the shadow because that way they, they could lose, re- they could risk these voters. Do I believe there was a concerted effort to um, obstruct some sort of Hunter Biden brewing great scandal that was going to end all scandals to be? Probably not. I mean, I don't, I mean, it certainly looks sketchy what Facebook and Twitter were trying to do, but, you know, how many times has Donald Trump done a lot of shady things over his career? And look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to harp on Trump any more than I already have because it's just ad nauseum at this point. But, uh, but the Hunter Biden thing, I, I think it really leaves much to be desired. I don't think people care. I think this has no sort of... Um, but is it up to the media to decide what people should care and care about? No, but if people cared enough, they'd be, uh, they'd be d- running in the streets the way that they care about other things. This is, not a, this is not a person or an issue that affects the policy direction or, or the, the, the direction, that period, that the country, that the president wants to take. But it, but it affects the, the voter turnout, clearly, this specific uh, scandal, potential scandal from one poll that suggests that there there's more to be said or that there was some sort of obstruction. I don't know if I, I don't know. I I think it could be an outlier. I'm not suggesting there's not, you know, there's nothing to be investigated per se, but I just, I don't really see what effect that has on Joe Biden's ability to be the president. The same way I didn't think Hillary Clinton's emails affected her ability to run a country. I just think she should have better, uh, you know, etiquette when it comes to how she runs her emails, but that's not, we're not going to go down that road. (laughs) I do think it has an impact because 
the way the media communicate things, it can send a message to people. If you demonize this person, if you actually use a very aggressive statement, and if you convince people like, you know, this is fishing, this is wrong, and this is what happens with him and his son, people can actually be angry. But once again, it's the language and it's the communication that you use for that. If you prefer to low down the tongue, if you prefer to, you know, like... Uh, don't uh, like what Facebook or Twitter did that they try to hide the story or, or anything related to this. Of course, less people is going to find out. Of course, less people is going to feel outraged and they are not going to feel impacted. But it depends on the communication and the language. But there's no story. There was no story. Even when they, they tried to corroborate it, there was no story. It was just a fixation of a, of a potential scandal that Donald Trump and his campaign wanted to perpetuate. That's 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 the conclusion that I I've come down to, and I think there's a lot of shady politicians in the United States who aren't Donald Trump. There's one thing Trump is; he's at least, you know, he's a little bit more colorful than 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 say Joe Biden and some of the other ones are. But I there, I just I haven't seen any evidence to suggest that this is an actual thing, besides the media trying to trying to kibosh the story and prevent people from seeing it. Well, uh, another potential scandal, and then we're going to get to uh, another question. Actually, we're going to move that forward. But the the key is, do you guys accept the results? Before you answer, we did ask our, our audience that on Instagram, uh, and we had a, a great turnout. We asked our audience, do you accept the results of the U.S. 2020 elections? Anna, what are the results? Well, 73% say yes, and 27% said no. And out of those 73% are 63 people, and 27%, 23 people. Wow, so there's a, hu uh, there's a huge divide between people that believe uh, the results and, and people that don't. Um, now let's get to you guys. Anna, do you accept the results of the U.S. election? I prefer to wait until all the legal resources are resolved. And Zahavi? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, and I say this as someone who has been a scrutineer in, in numerous um, elections, including a by-election that took place during a pandemic, I think, three, two, two weeks ago. So uh, I know what to look out for. Look, I'm not, I was not an election official in this election, so I can't, obviously, I'm not privy to the kind of things that they uh, would see. Damn, so we don't have the inside scoop? Unfortunately, I, I don't have any good tea for you. But Okay, get out. Okay. <laughs> I do accept the results of the election. I think it's clear Joe Biden has a substantial lead from the popular vote. And I know that's not how they decide these things there. But look, if, if Hillary conceded and she was up by two million and still losing the popular vote and she had the balls to, pardon my language, to, uh, to, to concede. concede and to acknowledge the reality of things whether she thought there might have been a concerted effort to hack it from the russians whether you believe that or you don't um i don't think trump's going to concede i think joe biden's just going to say okay well i'm going to get inaugurated and do my thing be president and kamala harris is out there uh, making history and doing her thing and they're going to get on with their lives you know that then takes us to the final portion of our discussion which is you know let Let's, for the sake of argument, or in reality, Joe Biden is the winner of the United States election. So what what are the next 
couple of months going to look like the the transition period um you know because like like we said trump hasn't conceded yet and i do want to point out a fun fact that joe biden is not the first vice president to become president 14 presidents did so uh for eight of them it came after the sitting president died and only four former vice presidents were elected um john adams thomas jefferson martin van buren and the last one george hw bush in 1988 and Gerald Ford was the only vice president to become president after resignation due to Nixon's resignation so what do you think the next the next uh, couple of, of months are going to be like the transition period like I like I asked so normally the process for transition is the incumbent whether they were defeated or whether they are serving out the end of their their term limit uh, usually notifies the uh, the bureaucracy, I guess we'll call it. And uh, they there's a reserved amount of funding for to give an office to the president-elect and the vice president-elect. Trump, uh, Trump has a, the, the clerk that runs that department that would give them that funding. Basically, it's a Trump appointment. So she said no, because obviously she's going to go with what uh, the president says. But uh, I, Joe Biden claims they're, they're going to carry on. They don't need the funding. They can do it themselves. And I think once the electoral college votes to actually award the college vote, the electoral college votes to the candidates. From there, I think uh, the Congress approves it and they, then they get inaugurated. I, I essentially see Trump playing the, the it's rigged card and screaming until he's blue in the face. But I, I, I just see, I already see the Democrats, they're already moving on. They're moving on. Well, it's funny you mention that because we have a comment from Marsha. She says, the next couple of months are going to have a lot of crying and whining from Trump. Uh, Anna, do you agree with that? Well, you know, it, probably from Trump and probably probably from his supporters too. But, you know, uh, it, it is not as terrible as some people said that was going to be. I mean... I don't see any target on fire or property being, you know, broke in in the meantime. Uh, I think, honestly, uh, Trump supporters are assuming better the situation than how the left would have assumed the situation. And yeah, like one of the things that I see that Biden is planning to do uh, is the task force to face the pandemic. So that's one of the priorities that he has. I, on his plan, but yeah, like I said, it's going to be very interesting to see if I will just laugh really, really bad if actually in this election the turnout determines that it's Trump the winning <laughs> again. Like I will just laugh. Do you really me. see that as a possibility? I see that as a possibility. Yeah. If that happens, I will. I will go on air and I will. No, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say anything I might regret, but <laughs> if, if that happens, I will, I will da dare me to do something I wouldn't do. I don't know. Maybe walk out the walk outside of my house uh, without a shirt or something crazy like that. But like, whoa, guys. Okay, no, no, no. But you need to do that on January, you know, when it's really yeah, cold. Yeah, on January 20th, <laughs> when Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris are sworn in as the vice president and the, and the president and vice president. I will be so full with glee that I will walk outside of my house without a t-shirt. We need a picture of that and to post it in the Raven Report, Well, okay? if my gym progress is any better, 
I might, I might, I might uh, have some luck. There. Well, apparently you already lost thirty pounds, so we got to see the results. Apparently, you know, the, we got to see the results. And in the heart of don't winter. stop the count. Don't stop the count <laughs> on the pound the loss. <laughs> uh, but you know, so you you say that uh, that you're going to be excited when they officially become president and vice president. What did you think of their victory speeches that that took place on Saturday, November seventh, after they were announced to be the presumptive winners of the election? Uh, I called my mother because my mother votes the same way that I do. She's, uh, you know, a conservative, fiscal conservative, believes in all that sort of stuff. Uh, Not social conservative, but it was a sigh of relief. She was like, I really have to just, like, take this in for a second because, like, it's finally over, just the election period. But um, I watched the uh, vice president-elect Harris's speech with my mother and... Look, you know, I don't. There's things about Kamala Harris, position-wise, that I don't agree with. But if there's one thing I'm certain about, is she's a she is a certified a bad A double S. I don't know if I can say that. Yeah, we're sh- not on network television. Okay, she's a badass. I'm sorry. I I love Kamala Harris. I think she she's tough. I think she's smart. I thought her speech hit all the right tones. Um, it was a historic speech, and I she made a point in her speech that I wanted to to point out. She made it to a spe- a point to thank all the women that came before her. Um, you know, she's not going to be she'll be the first woman in this office, but not the last. Mm-hmm. She made a point to not only thank the generations of women who came before her, but the generations of of black women and and Asian women who came before her. Because as we were talking about before, black women are the backbone of the Democratic Party, and it's there's truth to it these are black women are some of the most um mobilized and um they're some of the strongest at, uh, activists in the democratic party and uh, kamala harris uh, election to to the vice presidency is really a big testament to how hard and uh you know the it i'm just i feel so good for them because people our age probably expect to see a woman president someday but women who are my uh, my parents my parents are in their sixties, but they they figured they'd see a, a woman be president towards the end of their lives. But a a woman of color uh, as the vice president, especially following Donald Trump and all that's come with him in terms of rhetoric, it's 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 a, it's a big day for them. And I it, it was really something to watch. And I thought she gave a really good speech. Anna, what did you think of? Kamala's speech as well as Joe Biden's uh, speech. You know, when he ran out, they they made it into I a love meme. That. They 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 memed it like he was coming to be double WWE wrestler. Uh, listen, the guy's seventy eight and he ran out like that. The whole time I was like, Sleepy Joe, Sleepy Joe, no more. <laughs> yeah, he's not sleeping anymore. In better uh, shape than Trump. Better shape than me at this point. <laughs> the, the way he ran out, to be <laughs> honest. But Anna. Yeah. Well, actually, I. I just don't like the identity politics in general. Like, I don't agree that, oh, you know, because we had the first female black uh, vice president, like, uh, that's irrelevant for me. And I'm speaking as a woman, as a, as a minority. Like, if you're recognized, I wanted to be recognized because you are good, because you're the appropriate person. Like, your race, your color, your gender, your religion, for me, is irrelevant. So do you think that it was a mistake for Joe Biden to select his running mate specifically for them to be a woman? If it was for that reason only, yes. If he was, because he actually thinks she's completely qualified and she's going to be an amazing vice president, 
okay, then go for it. But just don't bring race or gender, you know? Like, for me, that's... Mm. Do you think she's qualified? I'm not sure about that. Like, let's take a look to her record. When she was in California as a prosecutor, she put people in jail for, I don't oh, know, fucking marijuana. Oh, I love having this conversation. Like, I'm ready for this one. Like, yeah, and she blocked evidence from people who were sentenced to death. Like, when you do that kind of stuff, I don't know. But once again, if she was a prosecutor, she's probably specialized in criminal law. I'm a lawyer myself, and... Uh, from my experience, people in criminal law, they, they are hard. They are badass and they are treating with criminals. So they need to, you know, have the a strong fist to mm -hmm. say that, that way. Zahavi, you apparently love having this conversation. Why is that? I wouldn't say I love, but I think I, I've had this conversation a number of times, especially since Kamala Harris uh, ran for president herself. And she fizzled out. But she, uh, but what I'll say about her record is that she was a prosecutor. She's an independent um, a member of the law of the of the judiciary. So you you know this better than I do, since you're 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 a lawyer. But it's not her law. It's not her job to legislate from 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 her position as a prosecutor and as the attorney general. I mean, that's only that's sort of how you interpret how you want to execute um, um, an argument or you know, a court case like that, but it, it was not her job to legislate and, and, and in regards to her record with throwing kids and parents in jail for truancy, her, her reasoning behind that was, um, ed, or school attendance rate in the black community, which she comes from was so low that she figured if there was some sort of uh, mechanism that can get kids to school, so they would be off the street. This was it. And obviously no one's going to get it perfectly. I disagree with her putting people in jail for marijuana, and now she supports the decriminal or legalization of it, which I do too. Mm -hmm. But that's the that's the, that's how politics works. You evolve over time, and um, if the intentions are good, and if the work is there, and and the the like the intention is there, then then it's fine. But I don't think Joe picked her on the basis of her gender. I think he said he was going to pick a woman anyway, mm -hmm. and I think most people expected him to pick a woman, whether he committed to doing that or not. It was really once the racial um, upbring, uprising uh, that happened following George Floyd really cemented that it would be such an important thing for him to choose a person of color. Yeah, but don't you think that it's funny that considering the, the situation with George Floyd, he selected a former prosecutor? Like, you know, if you're in a movement or, or if this situation led to, to the movement of defunding the police, electing a prosecutor is like the last thing you need on that matter. Because this woman was basically acting as a law enforcement in California. Look, far be it for me to, to decide what Kamala Harris's record uh, or what about her record should, you know, I don't think it in any way disqualifies her from serving as vice president, Joe Biden, um, I'm sure, uh, what was it, the 1994 crime bill that she attacked him. I don't think it was for the crime bill that she attacked him on, but she went after him in, in the Democratic debate. So that's the nature of politics is, the, you know, especially from a primary perspective. But the other choice for him that he was going to choose to be his vice president was either Elizabeth Warren, who for me is a complete non-starter because she's 100 and she's a socialist. I mean, he's 78, though, so... I know, but she's a socialist, <laughs> so that, like, you know, 
Um, but in any case, uh, and then Susan Rice, who was basically in a part of the entire Benghazi thing, and I don't think he was going to relitigate that. Plus, Kamala, Kamala was vetted as a candidate when she ran. So, so I like her. So, what are what do you think some of the first policies or changes uh, that are, that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to implement when they get into office? They're starting now. I mean, they're they're already planning changes. What do you think they're going to be? Tax number one has to be COVID. It has to be uh, getting the pandemic under control, getting, I think they want to implement a national mask mandate. I don't know what the exact details are with their COVID task force, but the fact that, that that's their priority versus I'm not the actual, I won the real election, the legal election, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, the fact that you can see that they're like, okay, well, if you want to go to court, fine, we'll, we'll settle this in court. But like, the fact that that's your priority and you're the incumbent president and you have two months or so of a lame duck session to actually do something about it and you didn't, like, bye. <laughs> bye, Den, apparently, a lot of people are saying. Yeah. Anna? Well, you know, um, I think, like I mentioned before, that the task force of the pandemic is one of their priorities. Uh, something interesting enough is that Trump during his last debate with Biden, he actually said the vaccine is coming and is soon going to be released with Pfizer. He actually said that in the debate. So he actually nailed it. And, you know, uh, regarding the task force, I don't know how a mandate face mask is going to work with Americans yeah. because we know how they are and a lot of people are going to refuse. Actually, I have American friends that have refused it all this time. Are they anti-maskers? Yes, because they say that that violates their liberty. Okay, well, do they want to get a disease and die? Like, that's basically what it comes down to. I know, like, people have different opinions over... Uh, you know, if it's like the flu, if the death, if the death rates are not so high, if people are just getting it, but they're not dying, like, then like, you know, we can just get on with life. But in March, we were basically barricaded in our homes. And we thought we couldn't do anything. Whereas in June, we were basically eating a drinking, eating, drinking inside, going to the gym, acting like nothing was really new about the world, except the fact that we had to wear a mask when we went inside. Do you think, um, you know, one of the final questions I'm going to ask you guys, do you think that the plan all along was for Joe Biden to win and then step down and let Kamala become president? I mean, if he, if he lasts all four years, he's going to be 82, which is, which is already he's the oldest president ever elected. So do you think that that's the plan? I think that's going to be one of the cases that you mentioned before with the presidents that uh, a lot of vice presidents came out as the president after, you know, serving as vice president on their party. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Actually, I would be surprised if Joe Biden actually lasts these four years. I'm going to be honest. And, you know, if not, we will have the first black American president, uh, female. The, far, the first black female president. I've struggled with how I think with what I think is going to happen. I think the most likely scenario is that Joe will say it's time for me to, you know, it's I'm, I'm a, he already indicated it. I'm a transitional. I'm running as a transitional president, um, uh, you know, as a bridge to sort of the next generation of, of leaders. And obviously Kamala Harris's name recognition just went through the roof this weekend. And, you know, 
will he resign before the next election and then she becomes vice president? I don't know. I think he might want to just let her kind of battle it for herself because that's the fair way. She kind of has an unfair advantage over everybody else now being the vice president. But it's really who would challenge her. It would definitely come from the left. Mm-hmm. I don't see anyone in the moderate lane if she runs, which by all I can't see why she wouldn't. Uh, the, the challenge that she would have in a primary, if she is challenged, would come from the left. Very interesting. So, so you think uh, the left is going to be her biggest competitor, not the right? In the primary, 100%. And that's how it's always been. The primary is always a challenge dealing with the left. It was a pain in the side for Hillary. It was a pain in the side for Joe Biden. Do you think that, uh, lastly, do you think that if if the lawsuits happen and Joe Biden is still, you know, shown to be the winner, um, do you think that it's going to be a two-term presidency? Do you think that America is going to want Joe Biden and Kamala Harris for two terms? Or is it going to be another one-term presidency like Trump? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if by, 2000, uh, by, by 2024, the Republican comes with a stronger candidate. And they're going to take every failure that the Repo- that the democrats are going to do during this period and take it as their strength and as we saw a lot of america is still red so yeah i'm waiting for the final tally and all the shenanigans before i make my before i before i give my hot take of what happened and why but i think the one thing I underestimated was the t- Republican turnout. A lot of people who were going to put who were going to vote for the Republican candidate, even though they weren't going to vote for Trump, like that the the success of the Republicans at the Senate level and at the House level, uh, Democrats thought with their progressive agenda that AOC and uh, the Squad were essentially promoting was the was the big vote getter. It bit them in the butt in places like Virginia, like Florida, you know, places where people believe in in, in liberalism, but not mm-hmm. in this uh, communism. Like, I, I understand the frustration of the Latino community and why they voted for Trump, because they came from that type of politics. So yeah. I, I, I get it. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I get it. You know, and, and to top things off, Marsha adds, if Trump won't leave the White House, just turn it into a Trump casino and will be empty in no time. So I, I guess that's, you know, but, but it is concerning. Like if he, if he tries not to leave the White House, I mean, again, we're going to have to wait and see the results. We're going to have to wait and see, you know, what happens with uh, Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris and their policies. But, uh, but that, was a sh- that was our show for this week. Thank you to everybody that tuned in and that messaged us live. Um, Zahavi, thank you so much for joining the panel once again this week. My pleasure. I'm so glad this la- this dragged on for an entire week. Well, again, we 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 are so happy to to have you. And Anna, thank you as always for for being here. <laughs> thank you for having me. Like this topic is so good. Like it's so crazy and it's always evolving. We're going to see what the, maybe I don't know, we're going to have another show regarding the US election phase 3 <laughs> on December. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, you know what? The rest of the season is just going to be on the US election and we're going to get rid of our entire audience cuz nobody wants to hear about this thing anymore. But of course, <laughs> we had to do we had to do a debrief. Um we'd also like to congratulate Moralia via 
Wale on winning last week's contest sponsored by Primitive Power Training. Please enjoy your $75 Amazon gift card and thank you as well as thank you to everyone that entered for your support of The Rabin Report. Uh, a brand new episode of The Rabin Report will be coming to you next week, same day, same time, same people, including Christina. Have a great day, everyone.